Complete Health Podcast, the podcast that brings you a complete view of healthcare, exercises, medicine, and much more. We're your hosts, Helen O'Leary and Rhys Noble, both physiotherapists at Complete Physio and Pilates in London. This is episode four, the first of our three-part chat with one of our very talented team at Complete, who's both a physiotherapist and clinical Pilates instructor, Annabelle Walker. Annabelle goes in-depth on what exactly clinical Pilates is and how she came to utilize it both as a standalone method of helping people, but also how it greatly benefited her as a physiotherapist and with her physiotherapy practice. This is obviously an area of passion for me, being the director of Complete Pilates, so I really enjoyed this one. It also sounds like we've almost got you wanting to do your Pilates badges, Reese. Uh, look, it's definitely something that could benefit my physio, so you never know. I hope you all enjoy this one. Hello and welcome to the Complete Health Podcast. I am your host, Reese Noble, here with my co-host, Helen O'Leary. Good morning. How are you, Helen? I'm very good. How are you? I'm fantastic, actually. Really buzzing off... Uh, recording number one with Chris Myers last week and this week we're very lucky to have our wonderful physiotherapist Annabelle Hawker here. Hi guys, nice to see you. Nice, thank you for coming in. So as you can hear, Annabelle's from my part of the world, from Australia, so uh, we're, we're definitely taking over here. So I'm Helen, feeling outnumbered. Yeah, we're <laughs> definitely outnumbered. So uh, what we're going to go through today with Annabelle, Annabelle has a range of skills, uh, to her physio uh, toolbox. So we're going to go through three different sections with it, much similar as we did with Chris uh, last week. We're going to explore three topics of Annabelle's interest, get her insights with it, and uh, hopefully everyone is going to learn a little bit along the way. Let's hope so. So uh, today's uh, the first one. Today we're going to talk about Pilates and in, in particular clinical Pilates. For those of you who know my co-host well, uh, Helen runs complete Pilates uh, alongside Complete Physio uh, and Annabelle is one of the very skilled practitioners that works on both sides of that coin. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, Helen, um, before we get going, where's the, sorry I should actually ask Annabelle a question first shouldn't I? <laughs> Annabelle, can you give me your elevator pitch of you? What's your background? How long have you been a physio? All of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so as, as you already said, I'm from your part of the world, so from Sydney, um, and graduated as physio 10 years ago in Sydney, um, danced and horse rode my way through school, which meant I spent a lot of time at physiotherapist, um, <laughs> so kind of knew what the job entailed, so always knew I wanted to be a physio, um, and then did my sports masters, finished that last year, um, also uh, have a background in Pilates, so have always integrated Pilates into my physio work, because um, I've been a keen Pilates person attendee myself uh, for 15 years um, but have finished the Polestar training recently um, so having that more formal training has been really really helpful as well. Yeah, fantastic. Now Helen obviously you're as I've just said running up complete Pilates yeah. and most of yours or many of your clinicians or, or your Pilates teachers are physiotherapists? So we're about 50-50. So uh, we have kind of some, or about half physios, and then we've got some nurses, we've got some soft tissue therapists that have worked for a long time in elite sports. Um, So there's a little bit of a variety. We've also got some sports therapists as well. Um, The kind of overriding factor for us is that even if you're a physio, that doesn't necessarily mean you can teach movement and it doesn't necessarily mean you can kind of do a full hour in the Pilates studio and know how all the the equipment works. So the difficulty with Pilates in the UK particularly is it's not protected title 
anybody can do it. You can do a two-day course on the mat and then go and teach equipment Pilates. Someone can just give you a manual. You can just figure out what you want to do and then go and teach it. And that actually happens an awful lot for physios because a lot of physios will use Pilates as part of their practice because it's a really good base level of movement. Um, and then might take that on the equipment. Whereas all of the guys who work for us, whether they're medical or non-medical, have got extensive training. So most of us will have gone through Polestar. And the difference with Polestar is um, it's great because it was developed by a physio and a non-physio. So it's a really holistic course. So we look at everything from the types of language that you use, the choice of words, how your words might affect the way someone moves. So if you say to someone, push something, they're going to obviously move with quite a lot of force. Yep. Whereas, you know, if you bring in imagery and all of this kind of stuff, then it will change how they do it. So it looks at all of that side of it, but also then looks and brings into the biomechanics and the real science behind it too. And it also teaches scope of practice. So just because someone's a physio, they might never have seen a spinal fusion before. So probably they shouldn't be working with a spinal fusion three weeks after they've just had an operation. Yep. But you might have a non-physio who has trained specifically in hypermobility and that's all they see. And because of their extensive knowledge on how the body should move and can move, then they kind of know what they should be doing. Mm. And it's, it's a really long training program. So it's about six months just yep. to sit the basic course. And then you'll get, you're normally given in the UK about 18 months to then sit your exams, which is a five part exam. So Pressure's it's on. really extensive. And unfortunately the pressure is on and the pass rate is not always high. <laughs> That's a good thing though, yeah, because it really separates good. the, I guess, we've all been to courses where it's so easy to just fluff yep. through the exam at the end yeah. and then you're qualified to do things. So I think that's... It is. And it's really important because clinical Pilates is very much, you're dealing with people with acute as well as chronic injuries. And the great thing about being a physio that can do it as well is that we have these manual therapy skills that we can, we can use to do it. And that's really the clinical side. So the yeah. clinical side is not just, you know, if someone's fit, healthy, well, and just wants to feel better, move better, that's Pilates, that's, you know, your regular, normal kind of equipment stuff. But if someone's got a problem, if someone's got a history, if someone's got kind of niggles and aches and pains and, and is really needing that other level and that understanding of anatomy, physiology, and real biomechanics, that's your clinical Pilates. Yeah, it fits in perfectly, doesn't it? The physio training with it the really extensive yeah. Pilates training. Yeah. Cool. So. Um, Annabelle, you're obviously you've been through the Polestar training as you just said. Um, how do you see that you fit your Pilates training in with your physio training? Like how how much are they integrated? How much are they separate? I suppose um, as Helen was saying, Pilates is really really helpful for looking at someone's overall movement, and I think it really trains you to look at someone's whole body. So um, obviously, as we'll discuss a bit later, I have done a lot of work with shoulders, but you don't want to just look at someone as their shoulder. So if they're not coming along with their normal rehab, you then look, okay, is there something else going on in the kinetic chain? And I think Pilates definitely helps you focus on that a little bit more. Um, I suppose I danced and I taught dance as well. So I always did look at movement quality a lot more than I think mm -hmm. a lot of my mm -hmm. colleagues did. Um, so Pilates hasn't changed that as much as maybe it would for some other physios because that was always something that I looked for but I think it really does make you aware of how people should be moving and also why we do why we encourage certain movement patterns in yeah. terms of the anatomy um, and why we're looking for that with a certain person compared to someone else so for example if someone's really hypermobile how you might train them a little bit differently to someone mm. who's naturally a lot stiffer yeah and I think with that as well so my background is 
definitely not dance, and I am much more on the stiffer side of movement. But it's you know it's it's understanding you know you do a rehab program and you structure something for someone. There's there's a real you know you don't want to go lying to sitting to standing to you know you don't want to be bouncing around. There should be a progression, and every exercise actually leads on to the next. So just kind of having that structure, then also going okay, well we're doing a a squat or a leg press or a, a like a deadlift or something like that and going he's not getting it she's not getting it why what's going on and then the ability to be able to use that equipment and break down some of those movements so people understand the actual kind of how they can achieve that to then load it is then where you get kind of a really nice crossover yeah how much do you think you're using it in your so let's take your pilates hat off let's say it's your physio this is your physio time mm -hmm. i mean i know for me more gym-based background those types of things i use that extensively with my almost every well pretty much every um, client that i see gets some kind of strength-based exercise how much of yours are getting Pilates-based exercises as their home exercise program? Yeah, that's a really good question because I suppose there's a lot of things we would consider a Pilates exercise. Um, I would consider a Pilates exercise in my head that you might consider to be a gym yeah, exercise as well because yeah. um, there's a lot of crossover. But I think definitely early on in the piece, um, for me, Pilates is all about movement quality as well. So there's always that movement quality that's super important. So mm -hmm. I prefer someone went home with one exercise that they did beautifully. Um, then I maybe, even if they need to work on strength, we might not do 10 exercises. We might do one where they just do that twice a day, perfectly working on control yeah. and then progress more into the strength side of things further down the track. So yeah, uh, yeah I suppose that's where the Pilates comes into it. I mean, a lot of the time with shoulders, I probably wouldn't say I use my specific Pilates training initially because it's all about, it's still the movement pattern and quality is important, but it is more, you know, general shoulder rehab, but then moving more into Pilates down the track, but definitely with the back pains or hip or anything that's more trunk related, it'd definitely be Pilates based to begin with, I would say. Yeah. And I think that we, we spoke about that in one of our earlier episodes was that continuum of care yeah, almost, exactly. isn't it? And where it fits in from probably, you know, hands on manual therapy at one end into your Pilates movement quality and then into lo a bit more loading towards the end. Obviously there's a lot of overlap there, but yeah. they're, um, and we obviously, we, we share a couple of patients, myself and Reese, and um, you know, there's there's a guy that I was working with quite a long time and he came to us, you know, a few, well, literally three weeks after Fusion and he's now doing a lot of S&C based stuff with, with Reese, but actually then it's about, well, can you then use the Pilates as a check-in to make sure he's not falling back into older habits yeah, and yeah. whilst he's then increasing his load. So it doesn't have to be sort of stop, start, stop, start. And that's where they kind of fit together really nicely because you will find that by breaking it down and looking at the control and the quality element that Annabelle's talking about, you will then always be able to do better patterning in your squat, your deadlift, your leg press, the lunge, all of that sort of thing, which will always help everybody. And I mean, we've, I've got a patient who's been a really fit gym kind of going guy, has had recurrent tendon issues, so he's been seeing a physio for multiple tendon issues, and we, we sort of worked out eventually that his movement patterns are just not correct, and he's, mm. he's overloading himself, and so actually just breaking down what he should be doing in each movement, which is definitely something a good SNC could do as well, but then putting him on the equipment to actually give him that support to work on dissociating his hip movement from his trunk movement so that he gets the concept of, okay, in a squat, when my leg moves, the rest of my body doesn't necessarily have to move or it can move and being able to feel what's happening so that yeah. he can correct a lot more effectively. I guess having that ability to move things together or disassociate yeah. them is really important. Yeah. And that's 
from an S&C point of view, I guess it's an issue we see a lot of the time, especially yeah. in guys. And as a male, I'll put my hand up. <laughs> but, you know, that that um, breakdown, especially lumbo-pelvic rhythm, that yep, type of stuff, definitely. people just move as a block. Mm. And so being able to break that down. Yeah, really and important. I think, you know, one of the... It, the reason it's sometimes easier in the studio is because if you have the equipment, those springs make it less than body weight. Yeah. So if you don't know how to squat and you're trying to teach them how to squat, but it's the same movement and they're just not getting it and it's all the same stuff, then actually if you can make it significantly more assistive and you can take away some of that weight, then they're more likely to be able to find the movement that they need. Mm. So it's just this, it's this really nice place of being able to, you know, make someone 20 kilos lighter for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, conversely as well, you, you know, you've got some guys who are like, well, I've just been doing bodyweight squats for weeks and I, I, I'm so sick of them, I just want to push on. Mm-hmm. So you can throw them on the, the reformer where they're much more supported, chuck some springs on mm-hmm. and actually make them feel like they're using their legs. So they, they feel like, okay, actually I'm using my muscles, but then still because they've got the support of the machine, being able to still work on that hip dissociation or that lumbo pelvic position or whatever you're trying to work on because there's just that extra support around them and they have so much, so much more feedback because they've got the yeah, support feed, of the equipment. feedback's important, yeah. And it? it's yeah. so helpful for the hypermobiles. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, that, yeah. That, especially on the reformer where you're getting that input from both ends. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that just switches a, an area of the nervous system on that yep, you just definitely. can't get in, in more sort of, you know, open from one end movements and that's really important. Yeah, agreed. So you're, you mentioned before, Annabelle, you've been a Pilates user yourself. Mm-hmm. So I guess you were sort of, before your physio training, you already had good exposure to it. Yeah. yeah. Helen, were you a, were you a Pilates person no. before? No. <laughs> no. Not at all? No, not at all. So I, I didn't do, I didn't even really know what Pilates was until I was working in rugby. Yeah. Um, and that's when we had a physio come in and, and she worked on the equipment. So that's when I first got to know what it was and I had loads of problems. I had problems with my lower back, I had problems with one of my hips and part of it was because my nervous system is is kind of on a little bit of high alert because I've got some areas that are quite mobile and some areas that are quite stiff. And so I would go to these courses and I would be shaking like a leaf. And that was the first time I ever really experienced what Pilates or clinical Pilates particularly could be. now I do go to you know group or I used to go to group reformer um, classes and that sort of thing. And actually, when you understand how you can move or should move, you can go and do whatever you want. You know, I like barriers, I like all of that sort of thing. Yep. I've never been the one to kind of do one thing. I'm I'm I I have sort of you know a little bit of an attention deficit thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I like trying new things, but um, Pilates has sort of stuck with me. But but my biggest thing is how it then fits with actually functional movement and how you can then load people and, and this is where my background is working with athletes comes in because you can't just do Pilates with someone who needs to go and hit a scrum which weighs Front 900 kilos yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. You, you need they need to lift weight they have to add load and no matter what you do Pilates can't do that which is fine yeah. but it can do some of the other stuff that S&C can't and that's that place to work yeah with, exactly and yeah it's great with hypermobile like well, I'm really hypermobile and I find for me I can load myself up a lot more on a reformer and mm. not be sore in my joints or my tendons the next day than I would be if I did the same thing open chain mm-hmm. yeah. in a gym so it, yeah. I think definitely yeah for the for the guys that need that higher level staff you really need to load them up in the gym but for some people it's really helpful to get that that baseline of strength before you can move into anything else. There's, yeah. there's no cheating on the reformer, is there? 
like when you're getting that well screen. it's a well, lot harder to cheat that's for sure <laughs> yeah. especially yeah. if you're in a one-to-one setting so, so for instance like a squat side sort of yeah. pattern in the gym you can compensate in so yes. many ways you know you Always. can one go one leg more than the other arch your back more do all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff whereas with the reformer there, there's not as many places to hide no there's not and even if you know things like if you're going to push more with one side than the other if the instructor's walking around the reformer and looking at you as a whole from all different angles you see it really easily because as you see the difference in timing for when the knee extends you see that there'll be a slight kind of increased pressure on the shoulder pads so because there's so much feedback in doing it you can pick up all of those different sheet systems and the feedback is great as well because it means you can focus on one thing whereas with a squat as a hypermobile person you're thinking about okay where are my shoulders where's my back where's my hips where's my knees where's my foot whereas if you sit yourself on a reformer or any of the equipment you can kind of almost support most of your joints and go right now we're focusing on your knee range so we're focusing on that ability to extend your knee to full extension without letting it flick into hyperextension still working into that that full range of extension that you have, but not not pushing, you know, not dropping into it and being aware of it, which I think sometimes is hard when you're trying to control all your other joints at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, so isolates things a little bit. Yeah, more. exactly. But, so you can but then I guess isolate a bit, still integrating it into it. Yeah, a and, and then you can kind of then reduce the support, and then obviously the goal would be to go to a squat eventually, yeah. um, which you can do as Helen was saying with support of springs or what have you to take the body weight element out of it to a degree and then build forward, but. So when so you guys have come at it from different angles. You were exposed to it early. You came into it yep. when your career had already started. I have some very basic Pilates training, <laughs> very very basic, but I actually really enjoyed it. And at some stage, it is one of the one of the courses on my Care- list I do when it comes. Careful, Reese. They might convert me. So for therapists listening to this, especially maybe new grad therapists yep. or students. When in the training, I mean, I've got my ideas on this, but when in their training, when in the course of their career, would you recommend jumping along and getting into a Pilates course? Do we think it's get 12 months of experience, see some bodies and then go and do it? Or is it do it as early as we possibly can, get exposed to it? Uh, From my perspective, I think it probably depends on where you're at with your movement generally. So if you're someone that has always done dance or gymnastics and has a bit of awareness of movement you're going to be biased towards that sort of pilates idea anyway so i think you could definitely jump straight in but having said that in some ways for me like i feel like my gap in my knowledge now is kind of that snc stuff so i'll often then you know refer someone on to you for that high level rehab because it's something that i don't really do so i suppose if you feel like you're really well versed in that side of things then maybe do some snc stuff first and then do the pilates a little bit later but I think, I suppose I'm different to Helen in that I've always looked at movement quality from, you know, from day dot and, and yeah, I was 15 when I started doing Pilates. So for me, even before I did the formal course, I think it always coloured my physio <laughs> practice anyway. So yeah, yeah. for me, I think as early as you can is, is helpful, but. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's, it's different. So I always wanted to be more rehabby than diagnostic, like than diagnostics. I wasn't going to go down the crisp. Chris Root of the Ultrasound Diagnostic Sonography, that sort of thing. Um, I really love the movement side of it. The only way you get better at treating movement is by seeing movement. Mm. And I think the the length of time is really difficult to put your um, kind of eyes on because you you might go into a hospital and have the most incredible seniors who give you great opportunities and fantastic experience and really great courses and impart all this wisdom and knowledge and you see huge volumes of patients which means that you get 
so much more or you might be a community physio that's spending 10 hours of their day traveling and seeing two patients kind of thing so I think it really really depends it also depends you know we don't know what we want to do until we've done stuff so I think getting the experience of all the different types of physio and what you can do and you know I can say that I didn't actually do it unfortunately so I went straight from university into sports Um, but you just don't turn down that job so but I was with a team that was absolutely fantastic and I always knew I wanted to do rehab um, because that was where I saw myself I think if you know you want to go into things like women's health or if you want to work with really acute spines and things, it's a great tool to have. But I think it's really important to not forgo the kind of normal exercises. And I would say that everybody should understand how to do basic rehab and teach simple compound moves before you then try and delve in and add another thing on board, Yeah. which I think is really important. Yeah, it's one of the biggest crimes in physio training. Yeah, physios, physios can well, they physios can graduate with not knowing how to teach someone how to deadlift or squat, which is a yes. crime. it's an absolute crime. It is, and, <laughs> and the problem is, is people people forget that a squat is sit to stand, and a deadlift is leaning over a, a cot, putting your kid to bed, or picking leaning over basket. a bath, yeah, bathing them, or picking something out of the dishwasher. And how often do people say, "Oh, my back went when I did the dishwasher"? Yeah. Like it's that, so you have to know those movements and you you never want to have in your head, don't squat, don't deadlift, because that's gonna stop you doing so many functional things. Yeah, it's just not called a squat or a deadlift in, in day-to-day life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's an interesting, like I, I would actually go as early as possible for exposure to, to Pilates, to be perfectly honest. That's, I, I didn't have it for the first, what, seven years of my mm-hmm. career and the exposure I have had instantly made me a better therapist like yeah. instantly just and not even so much the um, prescription of exercises but just it was just a slightly different way of looking at people and moving so even not in the in the studio but in the room yeah. with people there was just some little things that I was then able to pick up that I wouldn't have done pre that very basic Pilates training that I have. So it's still a hole that I'd like to fill. Yep. But I, I think, again, you, you were right. It depends what sort of therapist you do want to be. But um, so I sort of went away and did my S&C-based stuff. But I, I think getting some Pilates, some kind of Pilates training, from my experience, is a great way to boost your knowledge and, and just boost your... Yeah, and bit. especially if you're working with, you know, in, in pelvic health, is an amazing one anything to do with spines if you're finding yourself kind of traveling down that route yep yep sooner the better can be really good but you know it's again if you've got a, a great senior therapist working with you as well. then <laughs> you you can get an awful lot of that stuff out of your team and we're really lucky in the fact that we have got this amazing team with so many different skills so you can learn so much from the people around you yeah so i think you know it's it's often a trade-off between do you do something cheap and badly? Do you do something well that's really expensive? Or do you spend some time with your team and figure out where you want to get to? And that's where you kind of need to decide from there. Yeah, finding a mentor, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. I mean, 100%. even like, so for those listening, we, during lockdown, we were doing team training. <laughs> which, it was, sometimes it felt like bums and tums too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he was still very, very sore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, we did a, a via Zoom, 10 a.m., Pilates sessions and I, I learned so much out of those sessions mm. just by doing it like mm. I wasn't obviously wasn't leaving the sessions Helen and a few of the others were and um, Annabelle took quite a few as well but 
there's little exercises I was like, I'm writing that down. Yeah. Like I am writing that down and that, that's in my repertoire now. So that was just such a really good way to learn. So yeah. there's lots of different ways to, to get that knowledge, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. So just to wrap it up a little bit, Annabelle, and talk about a few different things, what are the main things that you're using your Pilates for, compared, like conditions, compared to what you'd kind of go down a more traditional physio route for? Um, so in terms of bringing them into the studio and doing equipment-based Pilates, yeah, yeah, well, any yeah. particular, I think, I think yeah. the, the big ones, backs, of course, lower backs. Yeah, and I mean, for, I think I've mentioned a few times already, but for me, hypermobility, I think it's an yeah. absolute game changer using the equipment. I've, I've got quite a few patients that I'm seeing at the moment um, who are like, oh, I've never, you know, we've now got them doing body weight squats, like I've never been able to do a squat before. I, have, I just can't, couldn't do it because I couldn't work out where I needed to be. And we've spent, you know, three months breaking it down into different bits of the movement and now they're aware of where every bit of themselves is in space and so they can then start to start to do that um and and yeah just most of the things in the in the studio are really there's not a lot of open chain truly open chain stuff that you do so it just gives you so much more feedback um so you can start to load them on a long lever because they have that bit more feedback and they're actually keeping a bit of muscle contraction the whole time so they're not hanging out in their joints and causing that aggravation that they'll often get from say going to the gym or going for a run or or that sort of thing with the goal obviously of getting them back to the gym or having having a run um the other thing i find it super helpful for is for any any condition but when they've had chronic pain um because you can put them in a different position and so it takes away that fear of the movement so once again to use the squat as an example for someone with knee pain say that i can't squat if you lie them down on the reformer and get them doing basically a squat um but it's different and they're concentrating on the reformer and how they're feeling and you keep it super light to begin with um and then they get their confidence with that and they can can move into that into that position and it no longer becomes a dangerous position for their for their body and so it can be really helpful for desensitizing um the nervous system and i think the supportive nature of the equipment means that as a therapist you can then put your hand on the joint you're trying to work on because you're not actually worried about supporting them everywhere else at the yeah, same time yeah, so yeah. you can actually give some really nice kind of tactile feedback to that area which can often be really really therapeutic in desensitizing the, the neural system around that area yeah. so yeah chronic, chronic pain is another one for me and then I think the other one is just people who seem to have done a decent rehab plan so they come in like I've done this I've done this and you look at them you're like you actually don't look too bad in 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 the clinic and how you're moving but obviously there's something not quite right let's let's see if we challenge you a little bit more or make you move one limb on its own how you can transfer that weight how you can do all that sort of thing so the ones who've yeah seem to have failed as it were conventional physiotherapy and you think yeah their physio's done yeah a really good job and i can't see why they're not improving sometimes they'll be really helpful to get in the studio and have a play in there and just put them in an unfamiliar environment and see how they move and um so they're, they're probably the ones i would I would use it for MDI, uh, so multi-directional stability of the shoulder. It's fantastic for as well. Once yeah. again, so you can really support them um, in different positions and move them out of those um, sort of positions of danger and fear so they can get the confidence. And, and you'll actually, I'll often sometimes use my phone and I'll get them on the equipment and I'll take a photo of them and be like, look, your arm is <laughs> over shoulder height, but in this position on your tummy or on your back with the equipment and they're like, oh, and that's then really powerful to then give them the confidence to do some more rehab at home because yeah. they feel confident that you've understood what's going on. You've been able to help them move into that position and so they can go home and trust in your exercises that you've given them. And I don't know, I know we've spoken a lot about um, kind of the hypermobility, so the people with more range than they know what to do with, but 
kind of for those people with that stiffness or that mm. arthritis or you know yeah. you've had your ACL and you just can't quite get your knee range back or something how do you think so I, I obviously have my own views how do you think um, yeah. it goes with that sort of thing I think that's that can be really fantastic as well because once again using the equipment you can take out all their compensatory patterns that they've developed to try and avoid using that joint and you can really often people will feel either there'll be one of two ways they'll either feel like they're doing pretty well and not be that res- receptive to the fact that you're actually this joint isn't looking so great and so you can put them somewhere which really exposes that to them and makes them realize, oh, yeah. actually, now that I can't use my hip and my ankle and my back to um, compensate for the fact my knee doesn't move so well, I can really see that that knee is not moving so well. Okay, I get that and I have to, to move that a little bit more. Or they have the other, the other sort of point of view, which is like my knee being stiff has ruined my entire mm. movement chain. Um, and so conversely, you can kind of then set them up in a way that they can use both legs at once and they can get that freedom of movement with a lot less weight or even more weight sometimes to help get that mobility um, and move them away from the traditional movements that they've been trying to do for weeks on end. Yeah. Um, so and, yeah. I guess one thing that just, just, just really sparked in my head in the last few minutes that you've been chatting about is that it, it really fits under, almost with that biopsychosocial side of things. Definitely. Stuff. So, yeah. so, you know, you just spoke about language a little bit earlier and that type of thing, but just changing the context or position of doing yeah. exactly the yeah. same movement, it yeah. reduces and, that threat level. And not that. calling it knee flexion. You know, yeah. like it, when we're in, this, in the clinic with our physio hats, are like, right, we're working on your knee flexion range right now. Yeah. And they're like, right, that's my knee flexion range. Whereas you'll be like, okay, we're going to go on this cool machine where you slide and glide and we're going <laughs> to practice balancing. And they're thinking about so many other things that you suddenly go, look at your knee. Look yeah. how bent that is. Oh, it, it's bent or it's not bent. Um, Just distracted them. And yeah, you've distracted them yeah. so distracted, many things to think about. Them while their body does what it's supposed to do. And I think do. it's, I think it's like, I'll actually, to the extent that sometimes I'll book a patient in, I'll look at who has got other people in and I'll book them in with people that have either had something similar or have, or just have great energy and are really enthusiastic. If yeah. I've got a patient that's a bit down, I'll go, right, this is a great time for them to come in because they'll see all these other people yeah. who are in. And I can say to them, that person over there, they were in the same place as you six months ago and look at them, look how well yeah. they're going. And they've, they've done the same process and you, you know the studio, you can get it? there. Yeah. And yeah. it's the great thing about working in such a collaborative environment is you can use the energy in the studio um, to really encourage people and give people goals. And the amount of times I've had a patient who's looked at someone more advanced going, oh, can I, when yeah, can I, I do, do that? that? <laughs> I want to do that, that looks really fun. And you'll say, all right, well, the steps to do that are this exercise that you don't really like that we're going to work on and then this one and then this one and they have a it's not a step but I'm putting it in there anyway <laughs> yeah. trickery um, yeah and I think it's a lot less medical you know like there's there's a lot of people in that we, we do have a lot of people who are rehabbing injuries but we also have fitness patients yes. clients I suppose they are really and you know everyone's really always happy to be there and everyone's there to exercise so there's yes. just that that different mindset as well whereas I find Particularly compared to Australia, in the UK, a lot of people come in for physio expecting to lie down on the bed and have a massage. Um, and so you've already got over that hurdle. If they're coming yeah. in for Pilates, they're expecting the to move. So you don't yeah. have to try and help get over that sort of barrier to begin with, which is really nice as well. And yeah. I, th- I think that's kind of a really nice point, the fact that you're in a space with other people and you can see what other people are doing. And it's, you know, you have a one-to-one and, and there's very much a, you know, you're in your little bubble whilst mm. you're kind of going around the studio and stuff. But quite often, if you're going through a long-term rehab program or kind of chronic pain or something like that, then you'll get to know some of the other people coming in at the same time. And 
half the time, like there's a lot of laughter going on. I mean, we're all walking around in our socks, basically, you know, wearing pajamas to work because it's really nice. Yoga yeah. pants, and I'm yeah. yoga tights are standard. I mean, standard. And, this and is very <laughs> unusual for Annabelle to be dressed quite nicely like this. this. If you're listening to this rather than this watching is, it, yeah. Annabelle's wearing slacks and a shirt, and Helen's I'm currently in, in hoodie. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's nice, and, and you get clients taking the mickey out of each other just as much as you get the therapist taking the mickey out of clients and vice versa and yeah, and that energy is a really nice place to be and you know that we have the luxury of time we see people for yeah. 55 minutes which is a very different kettle of fish than seeing them for sort of 27 28 mm. so that luxury of time means that people can slow they can kind of pay a bit more attention to themselves push, push, push. yeah and rather than just say them. oh by the way my ankle's been a bit funny and you don't go this has just ruined my entire day. You think, okay, great, we've got 55 minutes. Let's have a look at this. Let's incorporate this into your rehab. Whereas I know definitely, and you probably feel the same, race. You know, if you're treating someone for their knee or their back and you've got 28 minutes to see them, yep. if they then come in with something else, you, you're thinking in your head, okay, how am I going to budget this time to look at their ankle, triage it, work out whether it needs to be seen or whether we can kind of package it all the way in. And that's the great thing about Pilates. It is, is so holistic. And I'll often have patients coming like, by the way, now that this is getting better, can you can we sort out my shoulder or can we look at this? And and often, you know, we realize that it's very interrelated and actually yeah. then starting to work on that will improve what's going on elsewhere as well. So yeah. it's really nice from that perspective. Fantastic. All right. That's a pretty good chat, that. It's very, if you're listening to this and you can hear that bell, it's actually our front doorbell. So um, that's what's <laughs> Just shows we're busy. Yeah, we are, yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right, so that's part one of our chat with Annabelle, uh, obviously covering off clinical Pilates. There's some really good things there for both therapists and uh, patients if you're, if you're listening. Obviously, Pilates can be used for a, a magnitude of different things and can certainly be fit in as part of your rehab journey from, uh, from injury back to, back to performance and, yeah. and, and life as well. And I think the thing for me is if you're, if you're not sure, like we're always around for a chat, it doesn't mean you have to book an appointment, but if you're not sure about something, you wanna know if it can help you, you wanna know if maybe there's a different way of going about, because you've sort of hit a plateau, just get in touch, give us a call, we can chat through whatever it is, yeah. and sort of see if it could help you. If you wanna get in touch with Annabelle directly, it's Annabelle. Yeah, with... uh, A-N-N-A-B-E-L at complete-physio.co.uk. Perfect. Good place to wrap it up. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Thanks, episode two coming up with Annabelle coming up soon. That concludes episode four of the Complete Health Podcast and the first of our three-part series with Annabelle. As always, for any further information or queries, please feel free to email into us at either reese at complete-physio.co.uk or helen at complete-pilates.co.uk. We're also on Instagram at Complete Health Podcast, which is all one word. In our next instalment, we chat to Annabelle about another area of her expertise, multi-directional instability of the shoulder, a commonly badly understood area by physios. So So for for another another week, week, stay stay healthy healthy and and goodbye. goodbye.